0: is Improving Data Availability, Security, and Flexibility within Organizations. Raghu Bala, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, John.
0: Yeah, it's great to be with you. You're joining us from India, where you're traveling for business, normally uh, headquartered in California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about how blockchain is improving data availability, security, and flexibility, and all those implications for organizational leaders as we're thinking about how to effectively run our businesses. As we get started, I wanted to share Raghu's bio with everybody. Raghu Bala is Chief Technology Officer at Croesus Labs and was previously an executive with Yahoo, Infospace, PwC, and with three successful startup exits. He also teaches at the MIT Sloan School of Business and Computer Science and AI Laboratories course on the implications of artificial intelligence on business, as well as he is a tutor for MIT's blockchain course. He was winner of the 2016 Best Abstract and Best Wearable Medical Device category at the AI and Medicine Conference. And in 1993, he was winner of the Best Thesis Award on Temporal Databases at the Hartford Graduate Center Conference. He holds an MBA in finance from Wharton MBA, an MS in computer science from RPI, has been a Columbia University adjunct lecturer, published author and speaker at several major conferences, including IoT Congress, Google I.O., and more. It's a real pleasure to have you. What a tremendous background. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean, this year I've been uh, quite active in the publishing space as well. As a contributing editor to a new book that's on the market called Step Into the Metaverse, and also another book that's about to hit the market now called... um, Handbook on blockchain, where I wrote uh, a chapter on asset tokenization.
0: Yeah, well, that's excellent. And again, tremendous ex- expertise and background. It's a pleasure to have you. And why don't we just dive on in? And if you can provide a little bit of a an explanation uh, of blockchain, i it's a term that gets used a lot. I think um, sure. most people are somewhat familiar with it. But I think as I talk to people, I think most aren't fully grasping uh, grasping the the true context of blockchain um, so let's start there and then we can start to talk about how you know what the implications are for businesses
1: sure so basically um, the the key concept to understand is a term called distributed ledger so and and blockchain is a it's a type of distributed ledger and um, and and I'll get into this these terms a little bit uh, going forward so, Basically, if you look at um, uh, technology infrastructures um, and um, uh, companies have been using, uh, you know, databases to store information for a very long time, almost 50 years uh, currently, uh, and um, there have been different types of uh, technology architectures. Started off with mainframe, then went to client-server computing, and then. We went into uh, web computing, where you expose uh, information through web services, and then we sort of took that to the next level using cloud computing, where you you rent cloud infrastructure, as opposed to having on-premise hardware of your own, and then uh, and and so on. And then the next sort of iteration of all of this is is blockchain technology. And how does that uh, evolution happen? And let me just. Uh, state this in the following way: So, currently, what happens is many businesses uh, tend to hold on to data, and um, and uh, they have internal data sources uh, which they expose to customers and partners via APIs and and things like that. But then, in in the in the uh, in the context of distributed ledgers, what happens is uh, uh, we look at companies. Uh, operating in, in sort of ecosystems. So, so for example, if there's a supply chain ecosystem and uh, a, let's say a car manufacturer has got its own coterie of suppliers, they're all sharing information with one another uh, instead of each uh, entity necess- you know, um, having all the information uh, sort of internal to their own uh, enterprise, they could use blockchain to kind of share information in a common structure, think of it that way. And so, um, and in a lot of times when you read uh, any sort of blockchain um, uh, sort of literature, you'll see this word centralization versus decentralization. So centralization is when I hold all of my data and then, and then I expose it to you via web services or some other means. Whereas in decentralization, uh, the data is sort of outside my organization in, in sort of uh, these nodes and I belong to that node. Uh, so let's say a car manufacturer will be in the in uh, older node but all of uh, their suppliers will also be in the sort of a network and they're all sharing information uh, in a in a sort of a decentralized manner and they sort of co-own the data as opposed to one entity holding the data and owning it. And, and why is this relevant? Because uh, another good example would be in an area that we're all familiar with, and there's a lot of backlash that has gone on with the big technology companies. So if you look at how much data is being held by Facebook or Google or Apple or Amazon, they hold enormous market power because they have the data of all the consumers, and that data has benefited them, and and the sort of like um, uh, sort of like a business model has been. You give me your data, and I'll give you free services. <clears throat> I'll let you use WhatsApp for free. I'll let you use Facebook for free. I'll let you use Google search for free. But I will monetize your data because that's how I'm going to pay for pay for these services. That's how I'm going to maintain my staff and systems and so on to to help you. That's been the sort of de facto business model. Now, <clears throat> what's happening is there's sort of a you know Web three which is a big, you know, which is a kind of an umbrella word around blockchain and other decentralized systems. I think as such, it's almost like not a technology, but a movement where people are saying, you know what, I want to hold, uh, I want to own my own data and I will decide whether you can have it or not. So it's like flipping the model completely on its head. And and that's, uh, so so enterprises are now beginning to, um, come to a realization that the data that they thought that was free, that consumers would just give away, now they are saying no. I'm going to hold on to my data, and if you want it, I'm willing to let you have it, but that might be a that might be a cost. Now you may need to pay me for the data, or you know it's like uh, there's a different model that will evolve, um, uh, and so so that we are in, in that pro that whole process is sort of playing out in front of us at this point in time. But blockchain happens to be one of those core technologies.
0: So maybe help clarify for me, you talked about decentralized data. How does that relate to, or is it the same thing as decentralized exchanges um, Uh that are utilized?
1: Okay, so so first of all, let me begin with the word distributed ledger. So when data is held by in a kind of a, a, a decentralized form, it, it like for example, if Google is holding your data, you can think of it as a centralized ledger. When the data is sort of shared in an ecosystem, that's a decentralized. Uh, uh, you know, it's in a decentralized form. That's a distributed ledger. So in a distributed ledger. There are different types of technologies that can implement distributed ledgers, and blockchain is one of them. Yeah, an analogy would be like if I tell you aircraft, um, a jet plane is an aircraft, a helicopter is an aircraft, a propeller plane is an aircraft. So, so blockchain is one type of aircraft. Think of it like that, one type of distributed ledger. So, blockchain is, and then there are other types as well out there. Um, but you know, I don't get too much into the weeds on that. Okay, but okay. Now, having said that. Um, so um, how does uh, uh, how do these uh, blockchains hold data? And, and so blockchain uh, is actually three things. It's a combination of data, logic, and network. So a blockchain network consists of many nodes. And this, these nodes can be operated by uh, different entities. That means one entity is not controlling all of the data. It's like it's shared data among multiple entities. So that's a big departure from how data is held by organizations today. Okay, now, what is the primary use case of blockchain? There are many, many use cases. There are use cases in banking, finance, cryptocurrency, healthcare, um, art, um, uh, supply chain, on and on and on. There are hundreds of use cases. So the, the first sort of killer app just like you know, in web, the killer app was uh, in the in the World Wide Web or in the Internet 1.0, Web 1.0. The killer app was email. So think of uh, cryptocurrency. as Currently, the killer app of Web 3. Basically, you are changing uh, money. And uh, so money was uh, first there was barter, and then there was coins, and then there was paper money, and then there was credit card, and then now you got. Um, digital sort of money, which is a cryptocurrency. So the money is almost like the first killer app of Web3. Okay, now um, you asked what's the difference between a decentralized exchange and and distributed ledger or the word decentralized here. So so what happens is when in the cryptocurrency use case, specifically, uh, when people have to uh, convert uh, their money from one form to another, they can go to uh, exchange. These exchanges can be centralized or decentralized. So there are centralized exchanges like Coinbase, which is very popular in the US. Uh, there's FTX, there is a Kraken, there are many, you know, Binance and so on. These are all exchanges. And most of them are centralized exchanges. Uh, that means one company owns that exchange and it's... Uh, Playing the role of, uh, you know, if you go to the airport, you can you know, switch from US dollar to Mexican pesos or something like that. It's like a travel X. They are like the equivalent of travel X. In the cryptocurrency world, you can convert from Bitcoin to Ethereum, Ethereum to Solana, Solana to Algorand, like that. So they play the exchange function. Now, when an entity is not behind that exchange, it becomes a decentralized autonomous organization. It's also known as a DAO. That means, uh, if you think about it, a robot is controlling that entity. And and for those who are not familiar with it, they'll think like, what the heck are you talking about? But it's actually, it's not controlled by any one person. It's the governance of that organization is, is, is uh, done by a smart contract and it figures out uh, how do I... Um, operate this organization, in the case of an exchange, it will do the currency swaps for you. And the first state in the U.S. which has approved uh, the decentralized autonomous organizations is Wyoming. In fact, you can go and register your own decentralized organization. It looks like an LLC. And um, But then once you put a smart contract in place, the smart contract sort of runs the company for you instead of you running the company. So anyway, um, so decentralized exchanges are simply... Uh, currency swapping uh, entities uh, that are uh, not controlled by a single organization, but is actually controlled by a smart contract.
0: As you're describing this, and as I hear, you know, other pundits and thought leaders in the blockchain, you know, and technology space, uh, discussing the implications you know, there's a lot of conversation around data availability, security, and flexibility. Mm-hmm. <clears> so maybe describe a little more, bit more specifically now exactly how this is important for companies and how blockchain is improving the data availability, security, and flexibility within companies.
1: Sure. So actually, there are two types of uh, blockchains we want to think of it, First, are public chains, and second is permission chains. So public chains are like your public toll roads. That means uh, anyone can drive on the toll road as long as they pay the toll, and which is known as gas in the in the blockchain parlance. It's known as a gas fees and so on. So that's your toll that you pay to participate in transactions on this toll road. The other one is a permission chain where you and a, a set of uh, members form a consortium and it's like a private road in a gated community. Only people within that community can drive in those roads and nobody else can come in, let's say. So you it's like on an invite-only basis and you have your own uh, you know, consortium of, of companies that can share information. So both these are there at uh, a broad sense. There are two types of chains. Now, uh, in, in, in terms of um, uh, privacy and security and so on, so blockchains by themselves, when they store data, it has got many properties. And one of the key attributes is uh, something called immutability. So one of the great things about uh, blockchain is you cannot just fudge the numbers. And and if you have seen, there have been many, many, many accounting scandals uh, of public companies and others. Many scandals over the years. You read them every every now and then. And it's because someone cooked the books and and fudged the numbers and modified things because the data is not really transparent. It's hidden and someone changed some things or uh, uh, dated some things and there's no oversight or something like that. So with blockchain, one of the good things is um, it's immutable in the sense that you cannot just willy-nilly modify any data that you want uh, others can can validate and verify that data and people can see your changes. so you cannot just fudge it. So so that's one of the great aspects of immutability that people like about blockchain. And so so in in, in use cases, and by the way, I just want to be very, very clear, blockchain is not for every use case. There are the current technology stack that we have Web 2 or whatnot, whether you want to call it that, will still survive. I mean, still, I mean, to this day, we still have mainframe computers. Every stage of computing has got its value somewhere, and it it persists over a period of time. So not all of Web 2 will be replaced by Web 3, but then there are use cases where Web, you know, blockchain makes complete sense and. And so so those use cases are ones that will survive. I mean, people are trying to use it for some use cases where I sometimes, you know, sort of like roll my eyes. Like, you know, this is not one of those cases where it makes sense, for instance. But in many, many areas, it does make sense. I'll, I'll give you one quick use case. Like uh, in the case of product provenance or a, a title. So for example, um, many people know that uh, your home or your car, the title uh, is established. You know, like the county where you live in will will say that oh, John owns this home or something like that. Or oh, John owns this car. The DMV will have a record. But then for certain types of assets, like let's say you have some expensive piece of art or you own uh, uh, some uh, jewelry, there's no title. Uh, even though it's valuable, there's no title. So that's that type of... Um, Lack of title actually has got implications. You cannot really um, borrow against that asset very easily, or you cannot insure that asset very easily. Uh, You don't know how many uh, 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 hands it has crossed ownership. You know, it's like first hand, second hand, third hand, and so on. You don't know. So what happens is, uh, what's beginning to happen is many people are starting to establish title on, on blockchain. And then that brings about uh, liquidity. That brings about the ability to insure these assets, and so on and so forth. So, so those are like use cases that are really valuable because it adds value to what's already miss. It's currently missing in the market. So those are types of things that I tend to focus on because I think it makes a difference. And many things the current system ain't broken, so why fix it, right? So you, yeah. you can go with what you have. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the transparency piece is just really important. And organizations have been moving towards more and more transparency for a long time, you know, in part, just driven by available information on the internet. And so leaders and organizations are being held more to account uh, for what they're doing in their organizations. And Employees are expecting more of their employers as well so so this need for greater levels of transparency is important, but like you said, uh there's still ways to kind of cook the books to kind of spin the numbers to 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 edit things and to make things kind of look more favorably uh you know to to support the kind of narrative you're going for from a PR standpoint and so blockchain just really helps to ensure that transparency, that consistency, that accountability for organizations, exactly. for leaders. And, and I think that in and of itself is huge and important. Um, some of the other types of use cases I've heard a lot, uh, especially because I'm in the education and training and development and learning development space, uh, blockchain mm-hmm. being used, you know, more and more at universities in terms of credentialing. So you, you know, you have degrees that are received, um, or if you're doing micro-credentialing, stackable certificates and credentials, those sorts of things. Uh, leveraging yes. blockchain for its verified accomplishments of individuals as they're in the L and D space, um, and I and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others.
1: Um, does that make sense to you as a use case for yes, blockchain? Absolutely, absolutely. So I'll give you, like, you know, um, for instance, I mean, the, some are very unfortunate use cases, but but in the U, I'll give you one in the U S. and one overseas. So in the U S. If you remember uh, about 10 years ago, for-profit universities were very big. And, And unfortunately, a lot of people enrolled in them and many of them have gone out of business. So let's imagine that you got a certificate from one of those colleges. Now, you paid good money, you went for classes, you passed. But then if someone wanted to verify that you actually got a degree from that institution, they call up the number, you know, uh, they can't verify it, but then if it was on a chain, now it can still be verified regardless of whether the institution still uh, survived or has been merged into something else or 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 whatnot, or, or you know, uh, disappeared or whatever it is. It's still you can still your degree is still valid, your credentials are still valid. So that's one use case in the U.S. But another unfortunate use case, actually, MIT where i where i where I teach their courses and so on, they actually participated in the Syrian crisis when there was you know Syria has been bombed heavily a lot of the universities are sort of not functioning anymore and a lot of refugees moved like you know people who were doctors or lawyers or or professionals you know became cab drivers in 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 parts of Europe and they couldn't prove their their certifications so in those types of use cases, it also makes a lot of sense where you can say you know that this person has got this much of qualifications and so on, and so that when they go across boundaries and and they can prove their their credentials. So so these use cases actually are, are very useful and and sometimes we don't see the value of it until some disaster strikes. And both cases that I gave you examples of you know bad things happening, but but blockchain. A distributed ledger which is which is out there and a public ledger is very useful actually so
0: yeah yeah excellent well ragu this has just been a really great conversation and a good introduction uh, for myself and, and hopefully for my audience around blockchain and how companies can utilize blockchain appropriate use cases, how the decent, decentralized exchange works, et cetera. I think all that's really important to understand as we move into the future. Uh, before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm uh, quite active, I- Uh, post articles or comment on various things Um, and that's the easiest way to reach me Um, and then as far as uh, what I'm focusing on currently uh, in web3 I'm I'm, uh, participating in the development of the next generation uh, crypto wallet currently and also I've been uh, working on some things relating to the metaverse which is a pretty interesting use case for uh, decentralization and uh, it's got blockchain, it's one of its underlying substrates. So, um, so those are areas uh, I think which you'll see in the next five years uh, sort of like uh, unfold into something very interesting. So.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Raghu. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Raghu and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.